Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the Next Generation Visionaries podcast. I'm your host, Brittany Bo Baker, and my guests today are Dolph and Eric Callie of Visual Marking Systems. VMS is a print provider that supplies high-quality product identification solutions for equipment, manufacturers, and public transit authorities, as well as fleet vehicle wraps, nameplates, and decals for use on products in industrial, medical, agricultural, retail, and consumable applications, just to name a few. Hi, guys. Thank you so much for being my guest today. Pleasure to be here with you, Brittany. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having us. Thank you. And this podcast is called the Next Generation Visionaries Podcast because I love talking to families and business. And I also started this podcast to help other family businesses and even people thinking about starting a family business. Dolph, can you please tell us how VMS was started? I have to. 1982, my father was 60 years old and deciding on what he wanted to do with the rest of his life. And he still want, he wanted to have his own business. I was 28 years old coming out of the MBA program and we were looking at numerous companies. He found a teeny little printing company in Cleveland where we lived that uh, was very successful through 1982 when, when Jimmy Carter was, was, was Carter to the president still, but interest rates were 18% and it was successful. So 15 employees doing less than a million dollars, screen printing. Neither of us knew a thing about the printing industry. He was an electrical engineer with uh, doing acquisitions for the later part of his career for businesses. And I was a mechanical engineer with my business degree and we wanted to try and have our own business. Here we are 38 years later, 131 employees, two companies actually, there's a decorated garment division of this company and um, doing two facilities, 75,000 square feet and doing very well, thank you. Amazing, and I love that you started VMS with your dad and now you work with your son, Eric, in the business. When you started the business, did you start with the intentions of building a business that would last for generations to come, or were you just trying to kind of make ends meet at the time? I, I go with the try and make ends meet day by day because that first five years, it was a leveraged buyout that we did, and all the money we were making was going back to the old owners for, to pay them for the business. Um, so it was a day-to-day -day thing to, for cash flow, orders coming in, et cetera without me having much thought about um, long range planning as to succession planning and what we we're gonna do. And my father, I think he, uh, he, he had much more visionary, was much more of a visionary at that time period than me. And I think he was looking at it to, to keep it going through me, but only from the standpoint that it would guarantee his retirement. Absolutely. Eric, <laughs> Eric wasn't born yet. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> And Eric, I read in your bio that you started working in the business at 14, started out scrubbing the floors, but now you can operate just about all of the equipment. Have you ever had any instances with staff where they assume that you don't know how to do everything and that you're just, you know, in the business because you're entitled to be? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um... You know, it's a, it's a challenge that next generation individuals are always going to face 
when coming mm-hmm. into a business, you have a lot of different attitudes, a lot of different perspectives of your coworkers. Mm-hmm. And when we have, when you have 130 coworkers like we do here, it's, it, you know, you have people uh, with a lot of different uh, uh, belief systems. So, um, you know, I don't so much have a negative impact for people not thinking that uh, I can run a lot of the equipment um, or that I cannot do my job. I've done a lot of different positions here since coming back. Um, I uh, worked in accounting. I've I've done a lot of sales, uh, work in production control, master scheduling. Um, So there's a lot of evidence that way of just the work that I've done. People have seen, they have a lot of respect for. Um, But at the end of the day, I think uh, it doesn't matter really kind of what you do you're always going to have some naysayers that you're up against um and so you know i'm kind of prepared for that uh i i've i've um i've seen it um and it's it it doesn't bother me very much it did at first uh i had mentioned um I, i i really wanted when i first came back in wanted to kind of do everything i could to be a part of the team quickly learned in management uh it's not so much about uh liking everybody, having everybody like you, but doing what's best for the business to move forward. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that rub, uh, rubs people the wrong way. It does. Uh, some people do take that attitude towards this is entitlement and they don't see kind of what I'm doing behind the scenes to help drive the business forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just something that as a next generation individual, uh, I, I just, I'm prepared to kind of deal with for the rest of my career. It doesn't, it doesn't affect me uh, nearly like it did when I first started back. Absolutely. I I understand completely. I grew up in a family business and before my parents had a restaurant, I used to have to wake up at five o'clock in the morning and chop and dice all of the, you know, ingredients for those days, caterings, and I'd have to wash the dishes and everything when I got back home. So when they finally opened a restaurant and, and I had worked my way up to management, people, you know, some people would assume that I was entitled. And I was like, you, you weren't there when I was waking up at five o'clock in the morning before middle school chopping and dicing, you know, so they weren't there when you were 14 scrubbing the floors, but it comes along with the territory. So yeah, Brittany, you-, you know, they also don't necessarily see the working at 8 p.m. on Friday nights. Exactly. You know, they don't, they, they don't see the other side of everything that you're doing to contribute to the business. And you got to remember that too, especially as you have more subordinates, you're managing more people, you see more things than others are exposed to. Um, whether that's, you know, quality concerns, whether mm-hmm. that's uh, pay, uh, individual pay um, rates, mm-hmm. and, you know, there's a lot to juggle that way. So it, it, is, it is a challenge of always trying to, you know, keep up with what you got to do. Um, where you're, you know, that there's like our executive team really respects each other very much. So they, we know that when, just because we're not in the building doesn't mean that we're not driving the business forward. And some of us work really, really well from home. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's not, not everybody sees that. Absolutely. I agree completely. Did you always plan on being involved with VMS or did you go off and work in another field for a time period and then come back into the family business? Yeah, um, I did. I, I did leave uh, the printing industry. Uh, I, I moved into um, another manufacturing role for a while after college and then moved into a logistics coordination position. Um, and so what, what had happened was uh, my wife uh, was moving back, wanted to, wanted to find another career opportunity. She had just graduated from chiropractic school and she had a, a good associate position uh, back 
here in um, Cleveland area. So when I had, you know, we decided we wanted to move out of upstate New York. We had all, all of our friends had graduated and kind of moved moved out, uh, living in a rural area and not knowing very many people started to get a little boring. Um, so we moved back to the Cleveland area. I started to kind of put my feelers out there, see what opportunities there were. I wanted to stay in logistics. Um, and, uh, when, when Dolph got wind of that, he said, you know, Hey, listen, there's no purpose of you going to work somewhere else. If one day you are going to consider working for me, I'd rather just kind of start now. So, um, that's, that's the story of how I got back into the printing industry. Uh, in fact, I went to RIT, which has, uh, amazing material science and color management schools, uh, best in the nation for nice. printing. And I didn't even go into those programs. Wow. <laughs> so, so <laughs> by no means did I really want to bank on on having this um opportunity because i didn't want to i didn't it goes back to the entitlement you right. know I, I don't i don't want people to believe that oh eric thought he was entitled and just can go to this college and come back into the business right uh, and that was really a requirement out of Dalton too he didn't want me to come back to the business right. he wanted me to go work somewhere else go get exposed to other uh, other thoughts of business other mm -hmm. other uh, avenues my dad did the I, same thing i had i had uh, three rules for my children if they wanted to join the family business. Mm -hmm. And uh, the first rule is they had to get a college degree. I just feel it's important that they understand. It's not so much what the degree is in, it's understand the concept of a commitment to getting a degree and learning how to organize, present, write, all the things a college teaches you, network, um, maturity. Number two is they had to go work somewhere else. And I preferred at least three years that they want somewhere else to work. And number three out of the requests or the, 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 the rules were um, when you come back, you come back with a passion for our industry mm -hmm. and a passion for what you're going to bring to the company. In other words, do you want to be sales? Do you want to be manufacturing? Do you want to be logistics? What is it that your passion is in? Don't just show up and say, can I have a job? Mm -hmm. And um, by far, Eric exceeded all three of those in what he did. Uh, graduated summa cum, summa, cum laude, yeah. summa cum laude from Rochester Institute of Technology. Awesome. Was a uh, young entrepreneur. Was the treasurer of the state of Ohio or straight of state of New York uh, College uh, business Sony fraternity. Sony Business Fraternity. Um, went and worked at Bosch and Lom in the large company. Worked at a, a distribution company a smaller one and then came back um awesome. so great my oldest is a den is a doctor not a dentist oh my yeah. god she's a doctor <laughs> pediatrician in washington dc and so she's obviously never coming in the business mm -hmm. and my middle daughter is um uh, a project coordinator for construction companies in Chicago and is engaged to get married and never leaving Chicago, probably because of her fiance, which he's a wonderful guy. And we're happy with that. Um, but she was ready to come into the business a few years ago, but ended up staying in Chicago and meeting the love of her life and um, won't be joining me. So it's just Eric and I. Awesome. Well, you know, and I think when you kind of go off and, and go to school in the back of your mind, I think, I don't know if that's true for you, but are you kind of thinking like when you're going through some of these subjects and, and programs, like I can apply this to the family business if I do decide to go back? Oh, absolutely. Um, because I was fortunate that I was 
exposed to, uh, you know, just business concepts uh, in high school or at an earlier age than most. Mm -hmm. So when I, when it came to any application of theory in college, that was the first um, thing that I would think of. How, do, how would this apply to VMS and where, how can I use VMS as an example to be able to write this essay or whatever that might be, um, which is also a little unique because it kept my mind in the manufacturing world in college. Absolutely. So I got to see people with different, per, different perspectives of different, uh, um, different industries and direction that they were going to go. Uh, I always really enjoyed manufacturing, so I'd always take it from that perspective. But yeah, absolutely, you almost can't help yourself. That's absolutely, the, your trait. You know, you, you're just so exposed to it at that point that you 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 hear, especially at a young age, you hear some some interesting theory or you hear interesting business concepts, and you go, "Man, I wonder if that could work for the business to make us more right. money or make us more efficient, whatever that is." That's awesome. That's great. And at some point, you guys had to scale your business from, you know, when you first started uh, with, with your dad, Dolph. When did you know it was time to, you know, go bigger? And, and how did you do that? Like, was it a smooth transition? Or like, how did that go? How was that process for you guys? Well, I've got to go back again to my father, who, as I said, was a great mentor. His concept in life was one life changes and, yet, and, and, and you should be learning and educating yourself every day and you should be growing. So when it came to running a business, his concept was how do we become one of the top 10 companies in the United States mm -hmm. in our specialty? He was never going to be satisfied with staying the same. Plus, on top of that, I, I, I truly believe it. And he taught me that if you stay the same, you're only going to slide backwards. You've got exactly. to be constantly looking for new customers, new opportunities, new products, and improve your, uh, your staff, your, your, the ability of your staff. So he drove that uh, mindset in me, and we have constantly always looked at growing. Over the last 38 years, we have grown at a 6% compounded annual compounded growth rate, um, 6%. So we had a couple years that went back. You can guess that 2009 was one of them, mm -hmm. Great Recession. Mm -hmm. And I can't even remember the other one. We've had two years going backwards. I'm going to guess that 2020 is going to be the third year we're going to go backwards. Unfortunately, but that just yeah. might be because of this small thing called the COVID-19. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, you know. Yep. So we just constantly are driving growth. I am, uh, what I spend the vast majority of my time doing now, Brittany, is strategic planning and management training. Mm -hmm. But strategic planning, I'm a huge believer in uh, a, a written document, a strategic plan developed by my senior management staff. Okay. We do it together off-site twice, twice a year. Okay. And um, we've been doing it in this particular method since 2000, uh, 2006, I believe. Yep. And we actually had strategic plans before that, but the methodology I use now, which involves my entire senior management team, we've been doing that since 2006. Gotcha. And that's that you actually led me into my next question. I was going to ask you, what advice would you give to a small family business that is profitable, but doesn't know how to scale their business to the next level? Would it be board of directors, board of advisors? Is it like you mentioned the strategic strategic planning? Like what what do you think would help take a business to the next level? Um, 
I am not a believer in a board of directors for smaller companies. Mm -hmm. I, I believe you can have advisors. I mm -hmm. have a great outside accounting firm, excellent lawyers, um, two different firms that I have used, depending on what the, um, what the requirements are today. Um, they can give you some things there, but they're not living your business day to day. Even a board of directors isn't. They're looking at it from the outside and what mm -hmm. can they give you for that spur of the moment. So I'll go back to what I just said before, strategic planning. I strongly believe that a business has to have a plan to move forward. Mm -hmm. And I once read somewhere, Brittany, that small businesses, and the definition of a small business by the U.S. government is 500 or less employees. And to me, that's a pretty big company already. Absolutely. But small business, small business have 40% of small businesses have a plan. 25% mm -hmm. of them have a yeah 40 percent have a plan it might even be written 25 percent of them communicate the plan to their staff mm -hmm. so 75 percent of businesses out there are winging it in my opinion yeah. um a strategic plan makes you step back from the day-to-day -day business the tactical side of the business and look at what you need to do strategically to grow mm -hmm. and you need to do your homework beforehand and at the start of every strategic plan should be a SWOT analysis, strength, weakness, opportunities, and threats. Mm -hmm. And that's what we do every year. Everybody does their own version of their SWOT analysis. We get it all together. We com combine it all together. We sit down and look at what we see as our SWOT analysis, what we see as the biggest issues that we need to address. And then we put a plan together on how we are going to strategically move the business based on that. I will tell you, and since 2006, I have never once put the word pandemic right. as a threat yeah. in my strategic plan. But I, you know what? For the foreseeable future, it will always be in there. Absolutely. What do you do with a pandemic? Yeah. And we're lucky with this one because we are an essential business, essential business to many, many of our customers um, that need our product. But uh, start, again, going back to your question, what is small business? Do the strategic plan. Know mm -hmm. what you have. Get your staff involved. It's not just the owners doing it. Right. It's not the family. We get our input from all 131 employees on our SWOT analysis. And number two, that business to look what they're going to do is you've got to find a t uh, um, talent that's going to move your business forward. And when you're small, it gets hard to find the talent because can you afford to hire the best talent? Mm -hmm. But you need to find talent that is going to come in and help bring in outside ideas, not Absolutely. just what's being heard at the family table. Absolutely. I agree completely. And you always lead me into my next question. I was going to ask you guys, are either one of you specifically responsible for the marketing or do you have a team that does the marketing? Because I wanted to ask you, What's been your most effective marketing and advertising methods? Is it like word of mouth? Is it emails or um, mail flyers? So um, about 10 years ago, we didn't have any specific marketing uh, personnel on staff. Um, since then, we've really boistered that. We have a VP of sales and marketing. Um, and then she has um, uh, one or two people that she has work underneath her. Um, they're doing a lot of uh, internet campaigns um, and 
we're doing some direct direct email blasts. Uh, we do have uh, contact lists to be able to try to get a lot, try to be able to reach a lot of people one time. Um, however, I'll tell you the best thing that for our growth has always been word of mouth. Gotcha. We work with a lot of purchasing uh, departments and what with in, in Fortune 500s or larger companies. Uh, purchasers bounce around from business to business, and, and a lot of times they don't leave the manufacturing sector. Uh, so we see commonly somebody leaves, uh, leaves an employer, goes to another one, uh, is responsible for more detail sourcing, and, and they bring the business to us because they had a good experience. Um, word of mouth has always been a driver for us. Uh, the quality of our product speaks for itself. Uh, so so our, our, our strongest marketing campaign is organic. Okay. Uh, but we do have other efforts, uh, including social as well, that we've 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 in, especially in the last five years. Awesome. And what has been the biggest challenge that you guys have had to overcome working together? Oh, should have given us a heads up on that. No, actually, I, I do. It's the it, it, it's actually just not pissing our wives off. <laughs> right, right, yeah. <laughs> so, we we actually have a rule at home, and this was the rule that that Dolph had with his father, with my grandfather, um, which was instilled by my grandmother. Uh, Twenty minutes uh, mm -hmm. at night—that is all that we are allowed to talk about work when we are outside of work. You know, we gotcha. even with this whole COVID thing going on, we see each other every day, so we still have dinner with each other right. two, three times a week, and. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I'll go over to his house or, or my wife and, his, and my, me and my wife will go over to his house or he mm -hmm. will come over with my mom. And so we'll always kind of have something of, you know, did you see that email at the end of the day? Did you get an answer about this? And, and, and we can really uh, kind of let it get away from us. Mm -hmm. uh, so we try to hold ourselves really true to a 15, 20 minute conversation at night to try to have a good separation of work and life. Because we owe that to our family. I agree. I'm, I'm gonna go a, I'm gonna go a different direction on that one okay everybody everybody in life has things that we need to learn how to do better and I think Eric has helped me drastically in one area I know there's more than one but I, what I'm going to pick out and I help I've helped him drastically in another area he's helped me from the standpoint to learn to be a better listener okay Stop doing something else at the same time period. People are trying to get your attention. We're talking or whatever it is. We need your undivided attention. And um, I've helped him from the standpoint that he wants to be a perfectionist or follow through on what he wants to do. And sometimes he forgets that he's fixating on it and not gotcha. listening to other people's ideas. Gotcha. So we both can use one word to each other mm -hmm. and we know what we're talking about. But the beauty of that is it doesn't just stop with those two of listening and fixation. You know, it, it's, in a, it's a lot of things we do is that we, we respect each other and we help each other to be a better person each day. Absolutely, that's awesome. And I know exactly what you mean when you say fixating on something. Sometimes you kind of feel like you can, you might be able to do it best and it's hard to pass it off to other people. Do you have that issue ever? Yeah. Delegation was our, was a, was a, was a theme in our last strategic planning uh, meeting. Absolutely. Uh, That's uh, you know, we did, the, the more we grow, the more employees that we have, 
Mm -hmm. uh, the more delegation opportunities we have. Mm -hmm. um, and it's really hard sometimes uh, for different reasons for different people to mm -hmm. be able to delegate. Some mm -hmm. people might uh, really kind of clasp to the fact that if I just do it, I know it'll be done right. Exactly. Um, for me, I like to give people a little bit longer of a leash than that, but I struggle with making sure that things get done in a timely, just kind of like Dolph was saying, um, in the time that I expect it to be done, mm -hmm. uh, which can be a little challenging. Absolutely. And there's definitely some challenges that come along with working in a family business, but there's definitely some pros. What would you guys say um, you like most about working with family? Passion. Mm -hmm. I, I really believe that um, the majority of families working together have a passion for that industry that um, you may not see from everybody on your staff Absolutely. because they appreciate that this is what is. I agree. Right. What's supporting the family from an economic standpoint, mm -hmm. uh, you know, retirement and futures and what's available. But we also like that concept of, um, I put Eric in this group of being an entrepreneur and wanting to be able to show, to see the fruits of his labor and know that he's working hard for something that's for him. Absolutely, absolutely. And what about you, Eric? You know, it's been, it's been a, an amazing education. Uh, I'm fortunate for the fact that I am a lot younger than the rest of our executive staff. Mm -hmm. So I have been able to learn a lot, mm -hmm. uh, just, different, just different business perspectives, different uh, skill sets. Um, there's, it's been uh, an incredible education in terms of just exposure mm -hmm. um, from managing employees to managing product lines. It's been, um, I think I get a little bit um, more, as I said, exposure to things that people my age might not quite be at that point of their career. So that's been, you know, an accelerator for me, which has made it a lot of fun. Um, I'm, I'm a fast-paced individuals, um, which is kind of goes back to fixating on getting things done when I want them done. Mm -hmm. um, so being able to get a perspective from and work at, kind of on a peer level with our executive group has really driven me forward in my career to be able to move at the speed that I want to be able to move at. Awesome. Makes sense. And, and Dolph, what you said too about the passion, I mentioned earlier that I grew up in a family business and my parents decided a couple years or actually last year to close the restaurant. But for me, it's, it's more so about, you know, the passion and kind of growing up in the business. And I remember when my dad like walked through our restaurant when there was nothing in there and just how he saw a vision for what he wanted our brand to be. So when they closed the restaurant, I actually opened up a food truck with the same recipes and everything just to be able to carry on, you know, the brand that they started and I grew up working in because I'm so passionate about, you know, just carrying on that legacy and, and keeping it going for my kids so they can, you know, talk about what their grandfather started. So I, I can relate to what you both said. Um, and you also have another business that you guys are partners in, Badline Promo and Apparel. How did this come about? That is um, our COO actually had a t-shirt 
making business, decorated t-shirts business in his basement for a dance studio that his wife ran. Okay. They owned them. And he said, I can make these t-shirts and jackets in my basement for the dance studios. And, and they kind of expanded it a little bit, but it, it just was uh, just a little small thing. And he got out of the dance studio business and said, I really don't want to keep this in my basement. Can I bring it into VMS and just put it in a little room on the side? And mm-hmm. um, we'll talk about what it's going to be. Well, we started looking at where markets that we can grow. And one of the growing markets two, three, four years ago was the decorated garment division business. Hats, t-shirts, sweatshirts, jackets, golf towels, bags, embroidery, screen printing, thermal transfer, digital transfer. So there's the products, there's the process. And um, we looked at it and said, you know, we have a pretty pretty good customer list that needs this product. Mm -hmm. So let's start a separate company. And it's actually four partners, the COO, since it was his business, Eric, myself, and our CFO. Okay. Um, so I did a little different here. I said, if we start a separate business here, I'm going to let you guys be the, be the partners in here. And I'm the financial support of the business. And let's grow this business and see what, what we can do with it. So it's been open for about a year and a half now. Okay. Um, it's still not profitable. I'll be point blank on it. It's mm-hmm. taken a while to get it up and going, but and we did a million dollars the first year. Mm-hmm. But the expenses so. are just up there with the income for now while you're building yeah. the brand up. Exactly. Mm-hmm. We'll get it. I've yes, got all the confidence will. in the world. And the other side of it, I thought it would be an excellent way to um, award Eric, mm-hmm. motivate Eric. Absolutely. Um, for coming into the business and saying, here's an opportunity for you to have something your own that you can grow with mm-hmm. partners. Mm-hmm. And here's something that will motivate you to say, the more money it makes, the more money you can have. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, congratulations, Eric. And I know that you guys will get that going. I'm sure it'll take off here very soon. I wish you all the best in that. And I read, Eric, in your bio that you are also in a 10-year management training program. Is this designed to ensure that you know every aspect of the business when your dad is ready to retire, or what, what is that? Yeah, so that's exactly what it is. Okay. Uh, however, it's been derailed in okay. good ways. Okay. Um, starting bad line took me out of that, that program. He, he had kind of uh four four or five different silos he wanted me to focus on over those 10 years we didn't expect to start a business in in the middle of that so it kind of it was it it worked itself out because of the education i got starting a business i ran the day-to-day i set up all of the operations i set up all of our processes um and uh from from a process order processing standpoint and did a lot of back-end accounting work and and so it, it kind of <laughs> were accelerated, but it accelerated that program to more exposure than was intended uh, because I was running this tiny, li- and still am running it, but this tiny little company compared to BMS. So there was more hats that were was required of me every single day. Um, now that that's up and running and we have really good staff, very skilled staff put into place, I pulled back. Uh, and, and a little bit back on that, that management trainee schedule that we had originally started. I'm actually the master scheduler uh, at VMS currently, planning and scheduling all of our resources. Um, 
However, uh, it um, was not, you know, it was a great benefit, you know, to be able to have bad line uh, in the middle of this training program so that I could kind of be forced to, to really take on more responsibilities. But it was a great education as a result. Absolutely. There's no better learning than hands-on, right? <laughs> and um, two more questions before we go. Um, what advice would you give to other families in business that would help them make working together a, a more pleasant and, and profitable experience? You know, um, from a less experienced individual's point of view, so from the, from the younger, from the next generation, um, have, for the older generation or the previous generation, I should say, they have a lot more experience than us. They have... Um, a lot more understanding of what the business demands are. And so because of that, I think that it's very common within family businesses that the, um, the older generation mm -hmm. loses patience more quickly with the younger generation. Mm -hmm. And adversely, the younger generation wants to say that they know everything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> so it's really important to just give each other patience and understanding mm -hmm. because more times than not, the, everything is coming from a, 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 um, a place of passion. Mm -hmm. And so if you can kind of take a step back, get the emotions out of all conversations mm -hmm. and really kind of respect each other for their point of view, whether or not you agree, doesn't matter, mm -hmm. but just having respect to be able to listen and, and give input and be able to potentially come up with grander ideas is, is, is huge. And I think that's really, really challenging for some people because you're talking about family dynamics and, and a lot of underlying relationship uh, uh, issues potentially from, from previous experiences that may have nothing to do with the business whatsoever. Right. You know, um, mm -hmm. so it's, it's, if you can give each other that level of patience, that level of respect, I think you're going to enjoy your day a lot more. I agree completely. Let me uh, piggyback on that, please, Brittany. I think from the, uh, from the CEO and the president's view of the family and the business, they have to make some hard decisions as to if you bring a family member in, what's the consequence to your staff? Mm -hmm. Define the job well and make sure that the family member they bring in is contributing on a positive side of the business and they have that passion that I talked about many questions ago. I've got a number of friends that are similar situation to me and they have to make the tough decisions of some, some family members come in, sibling, uh, kids, mm -hmm. nieces, nephews, siblings mm -hmm. come in and they don't add to the business. They're rather a cancer to the business. Mm -hmm. And you need, Eric talked about, on compassion and understanding, I'll talk about communication. Mm -hmm. There needs to be that ability of the CEO, the head of the family business, to turn to all other family members and say, you're not pulling your weight, or congratulations, you are pulling your weight both mm -hmm. ways. And to make that hard decision to say, you're not, you know, I know you want a paycheck and you want to have money, mm -hmm. but you're going to be better off going somewhere else because you're not helping in this business. Mm -hmm. Because you ask, how does a company grow? One of the worst things to do is have a family member on board that everybody views as 
He's here because he's the family member, mm -hmm. but he doesn't right. do anything. Right. So. I agree completely. I know I talked to um, a lady yesterday and she's the founder of Adaptive Knowledge uh, Institute. And that's basically what her company does. She kind of goes in and she helps kind of sort out conflict and, you know, decide who who's able to help the company and not hurt it when it's a family business because that can definitely be, you know, a, a hard decision to make if you have somebody that's not trying to help the business grow. So I agree completely. And what tips would you guys give to somebody who's writing a business plan? We're not getting people to ask that because we, we focus very strongly on strategic planning okay. and never even set up a real formal business plan for bad life. Okay. We had an understanding of what we were going to do. We had an understanding of the equipment that we needed to purchase. We under, had an understanding of, of sales projections. We, so we had um, financial numbers to be able to, you know, look at what our break even was going to be. Um, but developing a marketing plan, having it all written out, developing a financial plan and having it all written out, we didn't do that. Okay. From my experience, though, for other businesses that I've been a part of and also my wife's chiropractic business, road mapping is what I strongly encourage people to do. Um, that's been a big trend nowadays. Uh, the, the old way of business planning of having it be a 25 page document, um, mm -hmm. all written out with big fancy words is, is, is dead and gone. Mm -hmm. Um, one to two page road mapping is, is huge. Um, and there's a lot of templates out there to be able to, to kind of direct you in the right, uh, in the right uh, direction so that you can, you know, pick a, pick a uh, form that you like, mm -hmm. uh, but it does a great job of siloing you in the same way that a business plan does, but in a much more concise, easier to read, easier to distribute manner. Mm -hmm. I, would, I, I would, a little bit of disagreeance with him. Okay. Um, he's, he's partially right. Mm -hmm. It's safe, but yes, businesses need a plan. Our, our strategic plan for VMS includes a very detailed financial plan mm -hmm. for the last for the next 12 months where we've broken down every line item and, and when you do a detailed financial plan should be part of any business plan is you're looking at your capital equipment investments mm -hmm. your technology needs your employee staffing headcount mm -hmm. benefits that you might want to offer you need to view each of that on a yearly basis and know where you stand and then monitor it during the year. Mm -hmm. The marketing plan will develop out of it, but you should have the concept of what are my markets? What are my products? And that should be listed. If you're gonna write a business plan, nothing's been invented from scratch. Right. Go mm -hmm. and Google business plans mm -hmm. and say, give me an outline right. and follow it because you're gonna start a business from scratch and you need cash. You're, Financial investment company, be it a bank or they're whoever's doing it, yep. they're looking for a business plan. I tell you, Forbes has got a fantastic template. For, yeah. Forbes. But don't invent it yourself. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I love it. Every once in a while, I ask some question. I go, I can't find, figure out the answer. And mm -hmm. I've watched a number of the millennials just type a question into Google mm -hmm. that I just never thought would come up with an answer. Absolutely. Boom, exactly. Get it right away. Absolutely. So, uh, don't invent it from scratch. Look what other people are doing. But yes, be able to prove financially that mm -hmm. your plan is going to work. Mm 
Absolutely. That's the key. Absolutely. I agree completely. Thank you guys so much for those tips and your time. I really appreciate it. And I enjoyed talking to you guys. Um, and I hope you have a great day. And I hope this pandemic does not affect your business too much. And I hope we can all get back to normal here very soon. I agree with that. Stay safe. You too. Thank you, Thank you, Thank you guys. Okay. Bye-bye. Is that the end of the